Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode may contain explicit language and themes such as sexual assault and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Every cent of the Hillsong Empire, every cent of their salaries, their cars, their clothes, their mansions, their airfares, their accommodation, their holidays, every cent has been given to them by the sheep. I'm Dan Johnstone, and this is Hillsong, a megachurch shattered from Discovery+. Plus. In the months after Brian's resignation, the documentary's premiere and the leaked Lens report, I began hearing from more people through email, Twitter and Instagram who were reaching out to share their own troubling experiences with Hillsong. Whistleblowers were coming forward with powerful stories to tell. The walls of silence lining Hillsong were filling with voices of its victims. My conversations with some of those now speaking up takes me to where Hillsong's controversy began over 30 years ago and where it now continues to deepen. Australia. Jeff Bullock was a founding figure of Hills Christian Life Center in the early 1980s and stood at Brian Houston's side as he built his vision for Hillsong. Jeff wrote their first global mega hit, Power of Your Love, as Hillsong's first ever worship pastor, a position he now refers to as Chief Propaganda Officer. But Jeff abruptly left the church in 1995 and never shared the real reason why. Now, after 27 years silence, Jeff is coming forward to share his story and the truth about the beginning days of Hillsong. Hey Jeff, I'm Dan. Hi Dan, how are you going? I've really wanted to speak to somebody you know, like yourself that has this kind of history and, and I'd known your name sort of just to, to start off 
at the beginning, when, when you found that message and that belief, and you wrote that music, it must have felt exciting at that time. Oh, it, was, it, it, it was extraordinary because we were young, we're all in our late 20s, uh, and we, we, we started to play uh, a more upbeat type of music, and we were very much into the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and the sense of you know, the anointing and all those Pentecostal words. And then all of a sudden, the church started to grow. And so by late 84, um, I suggested to Brian that we call the music group Hillsong because the Hills Christian Life Center music group sort of sounded clanky. Uh, and he goes, oh, okay, I don't know why. Then we moved into a warehouse in 85. And then uh, 87, I went full time. And then we pulled the wall down, double the size of it. Uh, and then we started the, the Hillsong Conference, which I ran convened at least for nine years. Fast forward to 95, uh, when they recorded Shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord went double gold in America. All the albums, all the live albums we recorded have gone gold and platinum all over the world. And that was 12 years after we started a little satellite church. In 12 years, and then look, over the last 27 years since I've gone, it's, it's taken the world. Right. The opportunity that we missed is we we didn't really have an encounter with Jesus. We had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and we had an encounter with popularity and we had an encounter with something that, that's oh, going to sound awful, but we could sell. The church became the object. The church became far more important than what we were, who we were meant to be emulating. I suddenly had my, the problem was that my spirituality was changing and I was finding that the methodology of leadership and the character of leadership that I I had to enforce was suddenly becoming an anathema to me, that I, I suddenly, I couldn't be that person anymore. I was going in a different direction. Jeff left the church in 1995 after giving 12 years to Brian. The reasons he gave are all personal. He didn't attack the church. He didn't publicly question Brian's leadership. And yet, even in those days... Leaving Hillsong was just not something you did peacefully. When I left Hillsong in, well, it was Hills Christian Life Centre in those days, but in, in late 1995, from that moment on, it, it, it was sort of like they tried to move as far away from me as they possibly could or move me as far away from them as they possibly could and actively uh, worked against my ministry at the time and I, I lost contact with uh, all my colleagues and uh, three or four times uh, tried to reconcile with Brian. It appeared that if I said anything, uh, I would get quite a aggressive response. And so I, I remained relatively silent about the real reasons of leaving and the process of leaving and then what happened over the, the following 25, 26 years. Right. One thing that struck me about something that you said, I mean, you said you tried to reach out to Brian, not for the church side of it, just to sort of some sort of reconciliation. Well, for his sake, you know, I, I was trying. He, We were very, very close friends. We we went on holidays together. There's one stage we were thinking of buying uh, a couple of acreage that uh, my parents were trying to sell and we were going to build two houses together, which uh, would have been interesting. I'm guessing that he couldn't accept what you were trying to reconcile with him. Um, I remember having, we took Brian and Bobby to lunch uh, on, you're not going to believe this, August the 13th, 1997. <laughs> and I tried to explain to him, I said, look, Brian, I'm, 
I'm so sorry. Not I'm not sorry for what I did because I had to, but I'm sorry for what you and Bobby went through. And he just said to me, I will believe that when you're back in my church. Uh, so to Brian, it was, he took it personally that uh, he'd lost an armor bearer and that I was absolutely wrong and deluded. And he really couldn't countenance my, my reasons. Uh, well, one, because I probably wasn't being particularly honest about them. I, at the time, I just said I really felt that God was demanding that I go, which in essence is what I thought at the time. It took me a long time to come to realize why I left and also come to realize the dysfunction in the church uh, and the abuse uh, of our workers uh, that I was part of. You seem to, you epitomize what a lot of people tell me that they fear, and that is, this is a community and a family and a group that I belong to, and speaking up against it, I'd lose that community. Mm. Um, you're sort of, you're excommunicated from it, and, and it's not that you necessarily miss the church or the teaching, it's that you miss the people. Um, and I feel like you very specifically were removed from those people. I lost all my friends. I lost all my buddies. When I left Hillsong in 1995, uh, I continued in ministry. And so I was about to fly out to Perth only a few days later. And Navi Sali and Lee Howard Smith, who are two elders of Hillsong, said, look, can we meet you in the, in a, in the business lounge uh, or in a business room at Sydney Airport? We want to talk to you. Navi Sala, the man Jeff references here, is still a Hillsong Global board member to this day. Nabby went on to have a controversial career of his own that we will discuss later in the series. And so we met there and they said, look, please don't leave. Please don't leave. I felt profoundly that I had to leave. And at the time, I really felt that uh, it was God calling me to leave. And so it, that wouldn't change my mind. And so obviously I went my own way. Uh, the next time I saw Nabi Sali, he looked at me and he said to me, Jeff, you do know we tried to destroy you. And that's verbatim. Wow. And I looked at him and I said, Nabi, why verbatim? Now, the, the next thing I don't remember, but it was along the lines of, well, Jeff, we thought you were going to bring us down. So these problems and this methodology that they've used it was actually acknowledged by them uh, way back in the mid-90s. Nabi Saleh has not responded to other news outlets' requests for comment about these allegations. I, I didn't say this originally, but I, I do appreciate you sharing this story with me and with us, um, and I appreciate you sharing it with others. Um, I think the point of it getting out there is, is important. Why now? Why is, why, is this, why is your part of the story? What is it about now? When Brian resigned from the church, I felt that I had permission to see that there were now two separate entities. There was Brian, uh, and then there was my story at Hillsong. And to be honest, the other reason was that uh, I found, finally found the courage to do it. But I just felt that uh, my story could be heard and told uh, without people thinking there was a a horrid underlying bias to it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it seems to be that's the first point of attack is, is you know, someone's agenda. I mean, I, I've certainly, I don't have 
an iota of the connection that you do to it, but I have been, that charge has been levied against me. Yeah. And this is the, the unwavering nature now is just attack any messenger that says anything about the shepherd. What's happened now is it's reversed where the sheep are, uh, are protecting the, the shepherd. And it's just important to say that for me, this is not about just about Brian and Hill's song. To me, this is a, about a culture of Christianity. Right. I'm very interested in the political nature of how Brian has dealt with a lot of things. He treats uh, direct questions like a politician. Mm. And he always says that he doesn't know about anything until the last minute. He didn't know about Carl until I just found out. I didn't know about my father until I until these guys brought it up to me. Mm. But I think your, from your personal understanding is there there's some incidents in the past that Brian did know about and has sort of tried to either remove himself from or just kind of deny? It's a hard thing to tell, but it probably needs to be stated again that um, Brian would often call me in his office and we would discuss things, you know, things that were perhaps a threat to the church or something he was, uh, he'd run things by me a lot because I was a mate. And uh, one morning Brian called me into the office and just said, this young man uh, that I knew who was a very, very close friend of mine uh, has made allegations that Frank, that my father was in, was interfering with him. And uh, this young man m- made an accusation to his senior pastor. And that senior pastor was the senior pastor of the church that Frank used to pastor, Christian Life Centre Sydney. And he made an accusation to this uh, pastor that... Uh, Frank was basically using gay conversion therapy uh, in a way that was really uh, sexual abuse. Uh, Now, this young man was in his 20s, so this was not a criminal act, but it was a warning uh, about uh, Brian's father, Frank. And uh, I remember the discussion of, well, what have you done? And he said, well, we've told his wife and she's left him and he's, he's run off to Queensland. And so that's how they dealt with it. Right. They basically removed the whistleblower. Right. Brian Houston denies ever learning of this accusation made against his father. But the problem is that the, the concept of the kingdom, the church building a kingdom, the concept is that anything that comes against that kingdom has to be dealt with very, very quickly. It has to be uh, the best way to deal with it is is, is to to uh, banish the the messenger or the whistleblower. Because we were protecting the kingdom, then we had to protect the kingdom and the church at all costs. Now, in in those days, it made perfect sense to me, uh, and I, to my discredit, um, I felt relief. Oh, okay, phew. Okay, okay, it's fine. And the whistleblower, uh, to use their phrase, you know, taking off to Queensland, allowed it to not be addressed. That's right. Uh, yes. He, he, he was the creative arts minister uh, of Christian Life Centre Sydney. He had a family with children. And suddenly he's been outed. Right. And he had to build his life, just start again. It's heartbreaking. Uh, but unfortunately, that story is that story is mirrored time and time and time again in, 
And sadly, when the story came out in 1999, it, it didn't become addressed uh, by the AOG to 2004. And that's the problem we now have before the court. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The problem we now have before the court, as Jeff describes it, is the charge against Brian Houston for failing to report his father Frank's child sexual abuse to authorities. When he first claims to have learned about it in 1999, in Brian's own statement to the Australian Royal Commission, he says, quote, This was the first allegation of child sexual abuse, or any other allegation of this type against Frank that I had ever been aware of. End quote. He expresses shock in learning of his father's sexual deviance. But according to Jeff, Brian was told about this allegation over four years before the allegation being litigated in Australia now. There is something in watching the, um, the commission, the Royal Commission, mm -hmm. there's something that I just, I sort of want to touch on. Um, and that you, you, you know, you talked about um, the sexual deviance of Frank and the red flags about it. One of the things that Brian says when he when he is confronted with the uh, the first time he heard about the his father and Brett's saying stop. Now the reason I remember is because it hit me you know, in a 10 second period in a wave because I was like homosexual, you know, 
get my head around that before my consciousness went to hold it a minute. We're not just talking about, you know, homosexual, we're talking about pedophilia. The first thing he says is, wow, I, I was shocked. And the first thing I thought was, whoa, homosexual. And then I walked into the crime. And I, I really do, I want to make a really hard point of separation that homosexuality is not the deviance. The deviance is the abuse and pedophilia. Oh, absolutely. Homosexuality is not a sin. It is not a deviance. It is not a crime. It is a natural part of our human condition. And the fact that they, that was his first thought, and he says it on the stand. I'm not, I'm not, um, uh, I'm not putting words in his mouth at this point because I, I feel, and I feel like, within Hillsong, even the fact that that was his first thought um, about a, an alleged abuse against a child. And I, I just, I really feel a strong urge to remove that, even that word or connotation to do with what is uh, the, the most evil crime. Well, Dan, it's, what if, it wasn't Brett Sinstock. What if it was Brianna? And Frank's sexual deviancy was towards uh, uh, underage girl. Would that sort of be less horrifying? Right. To that moral structure of the church? Yeah, it's a, it's a chilling, chilling thought. And I, I haven't thought about it like that. I, I just, um, mm. yeah, the, it just, there's no, there's no space in that. Yeah. In, in, in that I'm stumbling over my words because I'm finding it very difficult to talk about. Mm. No, no, that is a, that is a reflection of, uh, of that, that patriarchal male Christianity that is a poison arrow into the hearts of young men and women who are suffering where their sexual identity for, for, uh, that has been pushed by a church that says that, we're all created in the image of God, uh, which sort that one out for me theologically. Right. We're all created in the image of God, except that part of your image isn't godly. Yeah, I, 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 I'm still sort of stuck on your on that question because it so perfectly personifies it. If it was a girl, would it make it any different? And uh, as if there's a gradation of sin that his father committed, and one of those things, uh, yeah, it's really it's really chilling to think about. It is, it is chilling, uh, and it's even more chilling when that comes from one of the most senior religious leaders in the world. Brian categorically denies learning of any allegations of sexual abuse by his father until 1999. But Jeff says Brian knew of homosexual allegations against his father in the mid-90s, allegations that required his personal intervention. And as we've seen time and time again, only this time in a royal court, Brian seems to be toying with the truth. Now, I, I really need to be uh, careful here uh, that I'm not making accusations. So I'm not on a, I do not have an agenda. Uh, I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken for Brian and Bobby. I'm heartbroken for his family. I'm heartbroken for the victims. But if we don't, if we feel that to defend the church is to cover the truth, then the truth will never set us free. If we know the truth and we speak the truth, then we set ourselves free. And that takes, that takes grace. And I'm not saying I'm courageous, but it takes courage to look at the truth about yourself 
and go, mm, I was wrong. I was, I, I shouldn't have done that. I hand, my hand up. Yep. Right. I, I, I was wrong. I can't blame anybody else. That was my decision. And right. I made other people the victim. But uh, this, unfortunately, is why this has all happened. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's the cover-up that catches you. And, you know, now he is out of the church, and he seems to be in- incredibly angry, um, incredibly self-righteous, mm. and has a point to prove. Mm. He's supposed to be taking a step back from ministry. Yes. Um, and instead he is on, a, on a, a nation tour every Sunday at a new church, you know. Yes, he's he's on the uh, the victim justification tour, right? Poor, but I, poor poor man, poor man. If he could only reflect on who he's become and, and have the courage to see that his failure was assured because of that people justified his personality, made excuses for it, and he wasn't accountable for it. Uh, and it's just sad to see where he is now. You know, it sort of breaks my heart because, you know, I've known Brian since he was in his mid-20s. Right. Yeah, you, you should have a lot of shared time together. Definitely. A very transformative moments in your life. I can still remember Brian's eyes. Clearly, I can close my eyes and see Brian's eyes. And I can still remember my deep love for the man to the point where I, I was prepared to do things that were against my conscience because I thought it was the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a clip of Brian that gets shared a lot, which is, you know, do you think Hillsong's got too big? And he says, I don't think a church can be too big. And I, I feel like it's a, a flippant statement, because w- when something gets that big, people do get forgotten. Messages get forgotten. The axiomatic reasoning of like, what well, we're getting bigger, so we can't be wrong because Jesus wouldn't let us get bigger, so we get bigger again. You know, it's like this self-serving reasoning. <laughs> I'll leave you with one thought, that every cent of the Hillsong Empire, every cent of their salaries, their cars, their clothes, their mansions, their airfares, their accommodation, their holidays, every cent has been given to them by the sheep. Brian Houston's house is on the market here in, uh, in Sydney. Uh, multi-million dollar house. I don't know what it's going for. It'd have to be north of $3 million. Pictures of a walk-in wardrobe full of designer clothes, a pool, a garden, a mansion. Every cent of that house is charity to Brian and Bobby. If their theology was right, Hillsong would be a congregation of millionaires, but it's not. It's just pastored by millionaires. (laughs) Yeah. And the millionaires, because people feel compelled to give to God in purity of heart. And that's a hard one. And, and to wake up from that uh, is, a, is, a, is a horrible thought for people who have sacrificed financially for decades. I need to realize that it's gone to the first class seats and the resorts and the designer clothes and the mansions uh did it go to god well how can it go to god the only way we can give to god is put our arm around somebody and give them grace and peace some defenders of hillsong justify their recent scandals the exposed abuse and their strategies of cover-up as growing pains 
that these things will happen as an institution is learning how to manage and protect something that has become so expensive, powerful and wealthy so fast. But Jeff's account from the beginning days of 30 years ago seemed to mirror the modern day Hillsong abuse, coercion, cover-up, all in the name of building the kingdom. And that kingdom, according to yet another new whistleblower out of Australia, Jacob Harrison, is more expansive, more shadowy than I ever knew. Jacob was a patient at a rehab outside Sydney called 180TC. While the rehab isn't officially linked to Hillsong, their ties run deep. Hillsong elder Andrew Denton is a 180TC board member. Its general manager is the brother of current Hillsong board member Darren Keto. And in 2019, 180TC was given a three-year, $1.8 million contract with the Australian government that former Prime Minister and alleged buddy of Brian Houston, Scott Morrison, inked just weeks before the 2019 election he was expected to lose. Start from the beginning. Okay. How did you... Uh... Well, how did you, how did you come to be? How's that? Where did I come from? <laughs> Basically, I've had my own mental health misadventures over the years. I had a lot of PTSD, started drinking a lot. I've got bipolar type two. I was starting to check into psych wards fairly regularly with um, suicidal ideation to the point where I couldn't hold down a job where I was getting on the brink of homelessness. And I had no idea what my next step was because I was kind of out of options. I needed something if I wanted to live. And I was pretty much ready to reach out for whatever help there was. Whatever hand was offered, I was willing to take. So I was in a, a psych ward in Sydney, early 2018. Right. So uh, there was another patient there. And he said 10 years ago, uh, he was in a place called 180TC. And he got a lot of help in there. And, it, well, quite a number of years before, obviously, he also <laughs> landed in a psych ward. But, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, you know, really, I wasn't in a good enough state to really um, put that logical step for that together. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't always get the best advice from other patients in the psych ward, as, as it turns out. You're looking for any kind of lifeline. Yeah. You're ready to reach out exactly. and try anything. But until this point, you don't know anything. Never heard of the place. You have no idea about any, any no no idea about any religious connotation or anything like that. I knew that at that, that stage they were a, um, a, a Christian-based rehab. But in Australia, well, there are basically no rehabs. We kind of outsource to whoever will take any long-term patients. That's that's kind of the way it works over here. So it's not unusual that it would be it would be associated with a Christian group of some kind. No, not of some kind. And I was thinking, you know, it could be Salvation Army. Right. They've right. kind of been around for quite a few years and known to do quite good work operating um, in safe injection rooms and things like that. And at that point, I had no I had no other leads. So I'm like, you know what? I think I'll take this. So that was it. I checked out of the psych ward into my mum's care. She was going to drive me to this uh, rehab on the outskirts of Western Sydney. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> we joked on the way there, like, you know, about the, the Christian side of it. And so, she's, so how are you going to handle having to go to church every day? I mean, every Sunday or whatever <laughs> it is. And I'm like, oh, you know, it'll be fine. I mean, like, it's not going to be Hillsong, is it? <laughs> We, oh my gosh. Yeah, and we both laughed. We both had a good laugh. 
So you, yeah, you were aware of the entity of Hillsong. Oh yeah, you, you we made big jokes about it. Oh yeah, and to be honest, it's a weird thing to have come from Australia. Like it's, I remember my first experience of walking into a Hillsong church. It was similar to my first experience of walking into an outback steakhouse in America. It was just like this shouldn't be here. Where am I? This seems out of place. <laughs> Um, you're officially the only person that's ever described a Hillsong service as an Alpex, I guess, um, or, or a similar experience too. So I'm just going to leave that one there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get back to where I was in my story. Yeah. Yeah. You're with, you're with your mom. You're joking that at least yeah. it's not going to be a Hillsong. Yeah. Pull me, pull me into the parking lot. Like oh, you're okay. with your mom. So, you have a yeah, laugh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've got it punched into Google Maps. We're going out, you know, it's getting more and more kind of out the back of rural Western Sydney and out into the bush, basically. And it's now it's turned into a dirt road. And we're going over this dirt road, over this bridge, up a hill. And I'm thinking, oh my God, is this Jonestown? We made it up the hill and it's just, it's just some shacks. It's just, some, it looks like a um, summer camp, but really quite run down at the time. Just really remote. It's out there right. in the bush. We we drove up to the, the main shack. That's where I did my kind of, you know, orientation. They searched my bags and whatever. And my mum at that stage, she's still with me. She's like, oh, I was just wondering, so what church do you do you guys go to? And so, oh, so we go to Hillsong um, two or three times a week. And mum looked at me and, she's, and I looked at her and we we're both trying not to laugh. And she's like, oh, that's nice. So, yeah, we did the initial orientation and we were checking in. They were going through my bags, making sure I didn't have anything I wasn't supposed to, which includes, as it turns out, any kind of literature that isn't either a Bible or Pentecostal literature. Like, you know, if you had, if you had a copy of Lord of the Rings in there, they that shouldn't be something that they would confiscate. The only things that weren't Bibles, like that they had in their library, were things that were passed down from Hillsong College that they didn't use anymore, like stuff that you wouldn't really necessarily want vulnerable people reading, as especially when it's the only thing that's on offer. What was the actual treatment like? Um, the first six weeks is structured like a normal rehab. However, it's a 12-month program. So it's a long-term kind of, you're in there for a big commitment. Um, The way that you're paying for this generally is you have to be on a government welfare payment, either unemployment or a student allowance or a uh, disability pension. That said, there were people in there that were conned into selling their homes. Um, Same kind of tactics that, that you'd be familiar with talking to people from Hillsong. To clarify, when Jacob says conned into selling their homes, he's referencing a story that he heard from a friend in the rehab, that another patient sold his house and gave the proceeds to 180TC. We haven't been able to substantiate this claim, but regardless, it seems that 180TC's patients, similar to many Hillsong College students we've spoken with, are giving what little they have for the treatment. And you... How are you feeling? Was it, do you feel like it was moving anything? Do you just, you know, you enjoy just being sort of clean and sober? Well, that's it. You, your body responds well to being clean and sober. And, you know, I'm outdoors in the bush. 
um, clean air and all that kind of stuff. There's physical kind of activity to do. Um, I like exercise when I'm feeling healthy. So I was doing that. So, you know, I'm feeling better within myself anyway. They did have a, a real psychologist that would come as well, like once every week or two. So like that was something. So I was bouncing back fairly strongly and I was able to show a genuine interest in the Bible and in the Hillsong stuff. Cause like I did have my anthropologist hat on and I had nothing but time the majority of the day and nothing else to read or do. Plus you show interest in anything Hillsong or biblically related, you get perks. So you're being, you're being, you're being rewarded. Oh yeah. 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 The more interest you showed in, in the biblical stuff and Bible groups and things like that, the more opportunities you got, such as when the um, Hillsong conference came to Sydney, uh, we were asked if we would like to go and well asked, um, told, um, if we would like to go volunteer on the motorcade to um, go wash cars all day. And we're like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of what we were doing from like, I don't know, 7 a.m. till um, 4 or 5 p.m. When of the, yeah, close to when the, the, mid- the, the evening session began and we got to sit in on that. And look, at the same time, I say that, but I kind of was thankful for it because at, I think by that stage I'd been there four or five months, maybe even until my sixth month. And um, it, you want to not be there as much as possible. Even if you're like washing cars, at least you're in a different environment washing cars with different people. So work release. Yeah, exactly, work release. So at least it's, it's somewhere else. So it's a quantum of freedom um so yeah we were just sure they probably know that too yeah 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 so there's that added you know you didn't they didn't have to ask twice anyway right so yeah we went and (laughs) then about i think it was midday one o'clock or something like that and this nice white audi silver white audi kind of pulls up and you have to say special special care of this one boys this one's brian's car i'm like okay We touched on this in the documentary, how Hillsong exploits the energy and ambition of young volunteers and college students to clean stadiums after conferences and scrub toilets. But being the recipient of free labour from mentally unwell rehab patients just feels, even by Hillsong standards, so wrong. What do you think the goal is? Well, it was referred to as... Uh, Christian-based rehab. It's it's not. It's a Hillsong indoctrination camp with a with a mild interest in rehabilitation. Like the rehabilitation right. stops after six weeks. Uh, when that six weeks is done, what is the rest? Like, it's, it? That's all indoctrination. That's that's it. And babysitting. It's and how how long were you in it? I was there six months. What was it that forced you out? I'd kind of bottled up what I was feeling for a little while. You know, there's some vulnerable people in there with all kinds of things, schizophrenia, borderline personality, or maybe drug-induced psychosis. Only just recently had just got over this kind of stuff. And 
you know, maybe a student who's just come in that day and there's, and this community member has come over to them thinking that they're a professional and starts telling them about a psychosis dream or something like that. Mm. And this student starts talking to them saying, well, maybe it was a sign from God mm. rather than it was just part of psychosis. Don't worry about it. You know, you'll, you'll start getting better. Right. It was one of something like that where I was like, that's it for me here. It was unspeakable. When you left, what was, did you have to announce it to them? No, it was quite sudden. My heart was, I I was, I was well and truly over Hillsong at this stage and I couldn't get behind it. I was having arguments with people that would come in. And so I had, you get kind of like monthly leave. And um, I was on the train to central Sydney, which takes a good hour and a half or more. And while I was on that train trip, I was like, you know what? I'm not going back. And I um, right. I had a well, I had a bit of a bender. I won't lie. Um, but I needed to kind of um, exercise some demons, so to speak, I guess. Um, so I had a bit of a bender for about about a week or so, and I ended up in um, a different um, psychiatric institution for about three weeks after that. But it was a a professional like private institution in Sydney. It was a decompression period to get over the past six months. I had deconditioned to what was normal reality. I'm in a really good place at the moment. I'm working, I'm studying occupational therapy at the moment. I'm hoping to work in mental health myself. That's great. Yeah, I may have the opportunity to warn someone away from going to 180TC. Is there Hillsong branding within the facility? No, it's not like 180TC presented by Hillsong or anything like that. But, I mean, that's where all of them... But but you were going to... You knew... There was no hiding in uh, yeah, Hillsong no hiding. Church. That's, that's where it all went. Yeah, that's where they were taking us. You just have a look at their, their Instagram feed or anything or Facebook. It's just all there. Right. After this call with Jacob, I pulled up 180TC's Instagram. If Hillsong was ever present on their page, it doesn't seem to be now. No location tags, no hashtags, no Hillsong logos. As if keeping the association with Hillsong secret for some reason. It's a troubling example of how far Hillsong's tentacles reach and how invisible they can be. But a movement of transparency and accountability is now happening around Hillsong, with former lead pastors of major Hillsong branches stepping down amidst demands for change. To find out if real transparency, real change, is actually happening at Hillsong, I decided to look at one of their most vulnerable, yet most existentially vital arms, Hillsong College. So I am walking up to the college temporary campus with big Hillsong insignia. Um, Looks like like an Apple store, Um, but for Jesus. Here's an older person, looks like a pastor. Definitely a pastor. They're walking towards me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.